and welcome to another episode of the World Class Agency podcast. Um, it is Tuesday the 4th of February. Today we are going to be talking to Adam Horton from Hortons. Um, I'm, I'm joined as ever by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Sam, I'm, I'm going to have to change this first question up because I normally simply just ask, hello, what's going on? But um, today, today I'm going to ask, how, how different is London now that we're out of the EU? <laughs> Good morning. Um, Good morning. Yeah, I don't know if it is that different. I don't know. The tube was still running pretty well this morning. Um, everyone was kind of getting still? on it. Yeah. Uh, my tube's always running pretty well. So I don't, think, I don't think too much has changed. But I was reading some news articles this morning about listing numbers being fairly down uh, January now compared to January last year. So maybe it's not exactly the Boris or the Brexit bounce that people were predicting. Um, I think that could also be just the reality of where people are in their lives at the moment as well. You know, it's not what happens in the property market is not what happens on the BBC. Um, and I think it's, it's really important for people to remember that. Yeah. It's really interesting that you mention the media because um, since the election, as you know, as far as I'm concerned, the, the talk of Brexit seems to have really died down in the build-up. Um, and late last year, it was on the news every single day. Um, and I think that that does affect the sentiment of buyers and sellers in the in the property market. And it just goes to show how much the media can can influence people's buying decisions. Because I think you know January um, we did probably start the month really strongly. But it's interesting that you should say that those instructions are down because I think the first two weeks of January were really busy. And then a lot of the agents that I'm speaking to said perhaps that's levelled off a little bit um, towards you know the, the back end of January. So let's hope that you know. Um, market confidence is still as high as we thought it was at the start of the year and we continue to to list properties to sell properties because at moving works we've had a fantastic january we've probably had the, the best january for sales that we've we've ever had we've had a number of valuations not necessarily converting into instructions but up from sales you know that second week of january was probably one of our busiest weeks we've ever had so long may it continue absolutely i think certainly the agents i'm speaking to although the last uh, so yesterday and Friday last week, I was speaking to a couple of agents, um, sort of Devon-ish area, um, southwest, southwest, yeah. And they said it was still quite slow um, yeah. for them. And so we, <laughs> as I sort of tend to do and give unsolicited advice when we're not talking about anything other than home searches, I just sort of said, what have you been doing? And lo and behold, the answers was not much. So you, you get what you give, I think. Um, and if that's a, if, I think talking to Adam today as well, um, he's got a cool story and we're excited to sort of share that with everybody. And I think, uh, he is testament to that sort of mentality. You know, whatever you put in, you're going to get back. Sometimes you might be putting it in the wrong way. So you sort of stop and pivot and understand what to do. Um, but yeah, the, the, the results come from the activity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, as you mentioned, Adam, let's let's crack on. Let's let's introduce him. Let's um, let's get along with the podcast, shall we? We're joined this morning by a young property entrepreneur who's taking the market by storm. After setting up his own hybrid estate agency in 2017, he has goals to rival Purple Bricks with plans to extend nationwide. He's even managed to elicit some positive comments from property industry eye readers. 
through his articles. Um, we love the ambition and we love the passion of improving the industry and clearly it's having an effect on people in purple offices somewhere because if you Google his company name, you get what I imagine is a pretty pricey pay-per-click ad for Purple Bricks. Adam Horton, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. Hi, thanks for having me on. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> Adam, I'm uh, interested to know about your background, your story. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and about Hortons? Yeah, so um, I've been in a state agency since leaving school. Um, I was, I think I was 16 or 17, straight into an office doing an apprenticeship, um, kind of traditional high street sort of setup. Um, Hortons, um, is, originally we launched in 2013, um, but in terms of what um, our kind of our current setup, um, that's been since uh, back in the 2016, um, so just a, a few years old, but um, yeah, I, I so when I started out in uh, in high street agency, did an apprenticeship, kind of became a sales negotiator, um, and then um, was put into a, a branch that the, the company I was with at the, at the time were quite small, but I was put into a new branch they opened, um, which was more kind of like a sink or swim type of moment. A small team, and everyone just had to dig in to make it work but that that turned out to be a really good experience because it gave me a kind of crash course in everything um in, in keeping a, a high street office going so um that was a really good experience but when i was um so when i was 20 um i left um so yeah three four years in at that point uh, i left that business and set up on my own um and um this was uh, i suppose 2013 was um uh, businesses like Estates Direct and like Purple Bricks were just on the horizon and I'm sure Remove and et cetera were going by that point. Um, but um, we could see this kind of change going from um, the high street to online. And I suppose at that point, everyone thought, and especially when Purple Bricks started to make a bit of noise, that the, the industry was going to go through some monumental like um, structural change like going from high street to online and um, I mean a lot of um, traditional agents just went into like defense mode at that point I mean yeah I remember the, some of the articles on um, purple bricks uh, on property industry I for example like um, hmm. the, the amount of hate that they <laughs> got from, like uh, people were scared and mm. So, but I could see the industry kind of changing going in that direction. So I thought, well, how about um, trying to do like an upfront, low cost, um, hybrid estate agency, but just focus on our local market. And um, it went quite well. I mean, we're, I mean, we're charging anything between kind of a basic package of about £600 up to about £1,200. Um, and we got loads of boards up. I mean, at that point, I was 20 years old. I had like three full-time members of staff. I probably had a stock of um, 60 or 70 properties or something. Um, and it felt like we were heading in the right direction. But, um, uh, I mean, um, it was probably about 18 months into that business. Um, and uh, I just hadn't made any money. And uh, like I was... Uh, um, uh, I suppose we, we were listing all these properties and it just turned out as being a little bit of a busy fool more than anything. <laughs> so, um, uh, and um, I've made a couple of bad decisions in the process and um, in terms of we went into lettings uh, way too early where the, the sales side obviously wasn't profitable or um, strong enough to support the letting side of the business. And 
Um, so made the decision to um, like, we're either gonna have to take on some debt um, to ride this out. And at the time, personnel wasn't, in the, I didn't want to do that. And um, like, it, we felt like we were just stuck in a bit of a rut. So decided to um, try and get out unscathed, made the realization that I'd uh, yeah, not taken up, not made the best decisions and uh, and there were some flaws to to my idea. So just thought if I had an easy route out um, that um, meant I could reassess and, and, and kind of have another look at how we approach um, the future of the the agency that or, or the industry and, and where to position ourselves, it felt the right time to do it. So took her out, worked for um a uh, work for a law firm as a national sales manager so then working with um uh, estate agencies basically on um their conveyancing introductions and um helping them um build a, a, a busier conveyancing department for this law firm which gave me a real good insight on looking from the in from the outside in on the industry which um this is the first time I've had the ability to do that. Um, had a clearer idea for what the, the business um, or the industry is is heading, um, and then decided to go for Horton's kind of phase two. And this time mm. around, it's going a little bit better. <laughs> well done, nice one. Yeah, good I'm, for you. I, I'm interested to, if you can, talk us through the when when you started having that realization that maybe it wasn't going as planned, because mm. I think that there are. A lot of agents, maybe some who are even listening to this, who probably know it's not going as well as they want, but they haven't had that um, courage to change. Yeah. Um, so can you talk us through that and, and what sort of thoughts went through your head, your mindset, how you made that decision to change um, and maybe um, what changes you put in place as to where you are now? Yeah, um, I think, uh, I mean, I've always been quite aware of the fact and um, something that everyone always kind of, um, tries to ram home with anyone that's uh, any experienced entrepreneurs um, uh, advice that people give give people uh, is never give up and um, like um, but I think there's a whole other side to that um, which is equally important as knowing when to when to quit um, and, um, and people don't often talk about that and um, so uh, but it's i suppose it's because it's difficult to it's, e it's an easy thing to say like don't give up on something like you just you just keep plowing on but giving advice about when people should quit is a much harder thing to do i think and um so it's something that just people don't seem to talk about um so it's highly personable um and um and i suppose only the entrepreneur that's that's in in there can can know when the time is right for me it came to, um, I mean, it's mainly driven by cash flow issues um, and uh, me make, realizing that we'd, we'd, we'd hired the wrong person on the letting side of things and, and suddenly had some big holes to fill. Um, and um, so it was, it, that was a crossroads really about me making a decision about how much risk I'm prepared to, to take on um, and, um, and whether I had a, a clear route forward, but also like, have you got the enthusiasm for it as well? I think if you, if you, if you're faced with something like that, but you don't really love what you're doing and and, and feel energized every day, um, you're going to be fighting a um, a losing battle. And um, uh, yeah, there's in, in that sort of situation, it's probably going to fail anyway. So uh, I think it's just having the courage to say, like, yeah, it's uh, making that decision for yourself rather than um, letting it happen to you. 
Mm. Well put. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, I was going to say thank you, Adam, because I think, we think um, the story that you told there um, very eloquently, but, but most of all, very honestly. So thank you very much for, for um, coming on and, and talking so honestly about, about those experiences. Um, one thing we've not really kind of gone into is Hortons as it is now. I remember yeah. seeing your company um, on probably pro- Property Industry Eye. Well done for getting some positive comments on there, by the way. But yeah, I'm, seeing... I'm amazed by that. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite rare, quite rare, I reckon. Yeah. So, yeah. You're the enigma. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> was it? Was it? Was it your mum and dad that put those on there? Was <laughs> I, I hope not, but probably. <laughs> um, so I, I remember seeing the original article on Pi a um, couple of years ago, and it was kind of set up a similar time to we set up Love to Move, I think. So we launched Valentine's Day 17, and I remember seeing your article and thinking, "Oh shit, these guys are a competitor. They do ex- exactly what what we do." And mm. I don't, I don't think that is the case. I think we do something quite different but one thing I want to speak to you about is something that I have you know quite strong opinions on is kind of the, the hybrid model and maybe you can talk us through um, your model at Hortons if you're willing to share kind of some insights on that but also yeah. what you believe the hybrid model in a state agency actually looks like because I think it's a term that's been coined by some agents who aren't really hybrid so tell us mm. a little bit about your model and, and what your views on that that sort of business model are. Um, okay so I think um, the first thing that we've tried to change our view on is like what we define as hybrid or high street or online or whatever. Like we've just tried to ignore those, those terms. Um, and, um, really when we started Hortons, we just thought, well, we're an estate agency, um, first and foremost, and we've just designed it in a way that um, you would expect a, a modern day estate agency to look like and, um, uh, and, 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 and how we interact with people. Um, so I suppose in terms of generally how, the, uh, how we've come up with our sort of model, like we've just thought about like, well, what's gonna benefit the clients best? Like how, how, would a, um, yeah, how do people expect to be communicated with and uh, yeah. how do they expect service delivery? Um, and uh, yeah, and I think um, it's kind of um, pushed us into um, most closely being aligned with a hybrid sort of setup, but it wasn't yeah. the intention. Um, and I think um, the hybrid online high street conversation is pretty much uh, it's a com- well a conversation that that. that just our industry is having rather than yeah. consumers <laughs> so um so um if we get too caught up in that then it could add um confusion to like uh, to consumers who want to choose you as an agency um mm. like if you don't if you're a home seller that haven't got any idea what a hybrid agent is um and so um that was our first kind of um i suppose uh, factor in, in in bringing things together but essentially what we do um is we've we've tried to take a lot of inspiration from like a brokerage style model from the us or australia um and the whole concept is uh, around the fact that we act less as like an agency and more of a platform to our agents so um for example traditional agency um the brand above the door um plays a, a uh, people are choosing the agent based on 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 their brand um, mm. and they hold the power because that's how consumers will know about them and yeah. um, I suppose back in the day pre right move obviously I wasn't in the industry but 
um, I would imagine that a good agents um, and that want to get involved in busy offices were probably choosing which agent to work for based on how much newspaper advertising they had, how many boards they had up. Um, and so they were like the gatekeeper to more deals and more listings. Um, and where I think these days, because social media has enabled any agent, if they want to, to build their own uh, uh, network and um, reputation and, and brand in a way that's never been possible before, um, if that's done really well, the agent actually holds all the power and not the agency. Um, and um, I think um, we have recognized that and so really our position in the industry now is almost like a service provider or the infrastructure to the agents um, we need to think of them like clients really um, it's the amount of um, kind of support that we can offer them and to make it as easy as possible for, to, for them to run their businesses um, and help them enhance their own personal brands. The more that we do that, the better agents we're going to attract because the good agents now, instead of looking for the agents with the most newspaper advertising, are going to be looking at the ones that are going to help and enhance their, their business and their personal brand. Um, and so, yeah, again, that's a, the two mindset shifts I think agents, um, in my opinion, have got to go through. Um, are um, thinking firstly don't try and define yourself in agency and secondly think of yourself as a, a as a service provider and a platform rather than expecting agents especially with Morgan down a self-employed model to um, uh, to 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 work for them in the same way as you'd expect an employee to I think that's Phenomenal advice, Adam. And I think you absolutely hit the nail on the head when you said hybrid online. High street is a conversation that we're having as agents rather than consumers are actually giving any, any thought to. Um, so thank you for, for sharing those thoughts. Um, from your perspective then, so you consider yourself as a service provider to enable the agents that work within your company or work self-employed model, I don't know, um, you're, you consider yourself as providing services to them. So how do you set up to enable them to be as effective, as profitable, um, as successful as they want to be? What sort of um, service and advice do you give them? Um, so... I think when an agent joins us, um, that, that firstly, they're only really attracted to, to want to work with us because they recognize the importance of their own personal brand and, and recognize that the industry is changing and I suppose want to be on the right side of that change in five or 10 years time. Um, so once they're with us, they already have got a really good appreciation and understanding for like what modern agency is all about. Um, but um, in terms of what that looks like in practice, um, the one thing that we came to realize quite quickly is that offering the same level of support and the same processes to every single agent doesn't work because uh, a good agent um, could be an exceptional like new business generator and really mm. work their network, but then be terrible when it comes to um, admin viewings and admin. Yeah. <laughs> and management. And uh um, and but then equally, you could have someone who's amazing at service delivery, but they just struggle to, uh, or, or struggle to be so as disciplined when it comes to new business generation. And so um, we're not looking for um, these kind of like unicorn agents that are good at everything who can look at generate their own business and deliver it from um, to to completion. 
um, like uh, and take care of everything. Um, we're looking for people who have got a really strong skill set in one particular area, and then because they're self-aware enough to be able to talk, like to know where that uh, strength the strengths are. Um, then we need to recognize where those weaknesses are and provide them with support that, that delivers on the weaknesses. Um, and so it, it's, it's more expensive for us to do that. It's more time consuming. Um, it's harder to scale that, massively harder to scale that. Um, but um, if you focus on quality over quantity when it comes to agents um, and um, make sure that we're, we're putting the right systems and investing into them as people, um, the, the benefits of that and the dividends that it pays is, uh, uh, um, seem, that seems to be a better option for us than just going down the route of getting as many people as possible and, and, and hoping that 40% of them, 50% of them work. Um, and um, but because we we tried to systemize everything um, in terms of support at the start and it just didn't work. Um, so um, yeah, that's something that we've come to realize, and it's going to be something that we'll constantly be working on and trying to improve. Because um, yeah, getting that right is really difficult, and I think that's the getting that right or wrong is is going to be um, any agent that's going down like a, a hybrid model, especially using self-employed agents. Um, or uh, it will be the deciding factor, I think, whether um, they can continue to attract the right kind of agents and ultimately keep them in business and, and listing enough properties. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And I think all of that comes back to a point you made earlier, which was like when you, when you went down this Hortons V2, you thought, what's going to benefit our clients most? You know, and, and they probably just want to deal with one agent rather than dealing with a whole team of people. And so that sort of leads me into a question that I was quite keen to ask you. I, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile it says we are hiring and I've stolen that little rocket ship and put it at the end of mine as well. So thank you. For <laughs> I'm guilty of pinching everything good that I see. Um, and so I, I'm interested, you know, you guys are looking to grow. Do you look for experienced agents or do you hire an attitude and look to teach that skill? Um, what's like, what's your policy, I guess. And what, what, how do you find the best people to bring into what is now the, the business that you want to be running? That's, that's successful. Yeah. Um, so yes, they've got to be experienced. Um, is is the first thing but we're not looking for if someone's got a good understand it, understanding and they're like a a full stack agent um then um th effectively that's and, and they've got the right attitude that's enough what we wouldn't do is take on a sales negotiator that hasn't got any valuation experience and and, uh, and but we don't we're not just taking on people that have got 15 20 25 years experience um because um i mean we've got um i mean i've spoken to some brilliant agents that have got a few years experience and have come on really quickly and are really enthusiastic and are, and are valuing listing loads and selling loads um but then equally i've spoke to people that are like veterans that um you wouldn't want to be working with despite them having heaps and heaps of experience so wrong um, kind <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah so so yeah there's no um we, there's no kind of set model for that but we just want people that are um yeah that understand what we're about and, and, and kind of believe in our kind of vision of where the industry's heading um and if they've got the, the basic skill set 
um, then um, yeah, I think the, the support that we offer and the guidance that we can offer to them is the winning combination. Um, I mean, we've got a um, we've got a nineteen-year-old agent, uh, a partner with us at the moment um, that uh, has got three years' experience, who's absolutely killing it. Um, and um, then equally, we've got agents that are with us that have got twenty-five years' experience and are doing. Uh, equally as well and and um, yeah so I, I think the experience and, and age or whatever is irrelevant it's, it's literally their mindset and willingness to um, to be able to change and recognizing that the industry is changing it's a person it's a personal industry isn't it we say it time and time again it's about it's about that person what I really liked from from what you said um, previously is how you personalize the support to enable that person to grow you find the weaknesses and build you know their support system around that. I think that's a really effective way of, of doing business because effectively that's the way that we do business with clients, isn't it? You know, yeah. you don't have one size fits all for your clients. So why should you have one size fits all for your team or your employees or however, you know, what might, whatever model you run, you need to personalize it as you would do for a client. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, no, that's, um, yeah, that's ex exactly what we're, we're thinking. Like, uh, I think that's a really good point. Um, and like, I suppose it ties in with the idea that we're, uh, thinking of our agents as if they're clients um, yep. and um, and we've got a responsibility to deliver for them. So um, I love that idea. Yeah. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So what about um, next steps, Adam? What's the next steps with Horton? I'm pretty sure in the, the most recent um, Pi article, you talked about raising investment. I don't know if you want to yeah. share kind of your experience on, on how that was. We went through that process um, last year. It was pretty stressful. Um, but yeah. successful in the end and um, so I don't know whether you want to talk a little bit about what that process was like for investment and what's what sort of next steps what's the plan in the next year two years five years if you want to share any yeah, of that information cool. of course well um so we we kind of set out thinking let's spend a few years kind of proving the concept and learning as much as we yeah. can about um kind of ironing out what our model is really um that's that's happened now and we feel like we're kind of got a better vision for how things will progress so but originally started looking at investment probably about 18 months ago um yeah. and uh we were going to go down the crowdfunding route um initially because yeah. um, um i think it, it seemed like i mean emove had done various uh, well i think they did two or three rounds or something on, on yeah. crowdcube and there was clearly an appetite from there i mean if um there's the likes of like um uh, what is it? Ninety nine homes and then home. Yeah, um, we oh, did crowdfunding. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we did. We did crowdfunding, um, and we ended up taking the pitch off the um, Crowdcube platform because somebody basically said that they wanted to do it all but wouldn't do it on um, on Crowdcube. So someone was introduced to us privately. So crowd yeah. crowd crowdfunding. Um, it was a kind of at that stage where eMove had just. Um, done the crowdfunding, Emu just went bang, so it was kind of terrible timing for 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 us. Um, mm. But it was a really it was a really interesting, you know, pretty. Um, that must have happened like literally the same sort of time that we were doing it. Yeah, Emu. Um, I've lost track of the timelines exactly, but like we'd we'd put out like a campaign that like to create a waiting list for yeah investors, and then like the next week, Emu went from doing that last crowdfunding raise, this merger, talking about an IPO to going into administration. And yeah. then we were like, at that point, we were thinking, do we launch now? 
just as confidence in in perhaps these online or hybrid agencies is uh, going to be fairly low. Um, yeah. But off the back of the exposure and through um, uh, an introduction of a friend of mine who became aware of the fact that we were looking to raise money, then put us in in contact with a um, yeah a group of private investors. Um, and um yeah so we'd we've, we've kind of done it well completed on a, a deal with them just um before christmas so it's the whole That's thing's awesome. took a lot longer than, than expected um but yeah they're a really good um uh, group of guys in it kind of an investment syndicate um london based um and uh, but one of them has come on our board um and who's i mean we started in leicester and he's originally leicester based but really, um, I mean, although as well as bringing kind of money to the table, um, they're bringing a lot of experience as well, which is uh, which has been what you really want already. Yeah, right. yeah, it's so important. Yeah, and um, there's quite cool ties to Leicester as well. Like um, James, who's on our board now, um, he was part of the Lineker Consortium um, that nice. kind of got Leicester City out of administration in the early 2000s and um and um yeah and then his background is um i mean it was, a, it was a partner with clifford chance um so obviously a, um one of the biggest law firms in the world so um is uh, i mean he's come from a completely different angle to kind of startup land but the combination of that the experience for, uh, that um that comes together seems to be, be working really well so yeah it's uh, this year we're gonna try and um get our team up to about 25 agents and probably 10 to 15 on our support team um and um yeah that's the target for for this year we ultimately our goal um is to get to probably about 100 agents over the next couple of years so we're not going out on some like huge recruitment drive like um trying to compete with the likes of purple bricks but our vision at the moment i mean the industry I think um, there are more options for agents to go self-employed now than there ever has been. You've got Adam with EXP, Keller Williams. Um, there's some kind of, uh, I mean, you've got the likes of Perry Power and um, yeah. Power Bespoke. And they're all like lots of different Friend options. of the show. <laughs> yeah, um, a friend of mine. Yeah, I mean, Perry's doing great things. And, yeah. Um, uh, but there, there are more options. But I think because the industry is heading in that direction, and there's much more of an appetite from agents because they know it's kind of tried and tested, and it's where things are going. And um, I think over the next probably three to five years, there's probably a window of opportunity for one agent to really establish themselves as the kind of dominant um, brand and um, in kind of the, the higher end in terms of service, like premium service offering. Um, that um is going to close and, and someone's going to take that space um and we want that to be us based on um yes having national coverage but also um having the the, the best possible reputation as well i think that's what's going to be the key to you getting it done right is is making sure that you don't just grow for growth's sake and you grow yeah. with the right people with the right ethos you know whatever the core values are that you've set up for your business are what leads that business and that determines who you bring in and the sort of way that you are with your clients. Um, I'm conscious of your time as well, Adam. One question that we ask all of our guests that come on the show um, is what does world-class estate agency look like to you? 
Um, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, Thank you. That's why we ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that um, being a world class agent, um, I think the the main factor behind that is your ability to um, to adapt and, and deal with change. Um, and um, I like that. Like it's, it, I mean, we've talked about more structural changes to the industry, um, but on a day-to-day basis, that's keeping on top of the nuances behind social media platforms and how to utilize them to the best possible advantage. It's understanding um, how your clients' needs are changing when it comes to communication. It's should I be sending this person a WhatsApp rather than giving them a phone call? Um, and constantly being at the forefront of, uh, uh, of the, the way that business and estate agencies changing generally. Uh, and I think unless you're at the forefront, then um, because tech moves so quickly, then you in reality, five years behind. And um, I think if you can do that, it's how you become more, most efficient. It's how you can um, like stay relevant and, and ultimately um, that's going to help you list and sell more properties. So yeah, um, the ability to change. That's an, that's an amazing answer. Not one that we've had before, Adam, um, and certainly one that I think you know, is, gives everyone a lot to think about because actually, if you think about it, there's a lot of agents working within this industry that haven't changed or haven't had to change because our um, ways of doing business have been you know, very stagnant for years and years. Aside from the portals, this industry hasn't changed very much at all for probably 34 years. So I think that's a really interesting um, view on, on world-class agency. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for your time this morning. Um, we no really appreciate it. It's fantastic, mate. Thank you. We're very grateful. And I'm sure everyone who's listening to this is as well. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch, how can they reach out to you? Um, well, yeah, firstly, thanks very much for having me on. It's, um, yeah, really enjoyed having a chat and, um, yeah, really appreciate it. But, um, yeah, we're, uh, I'm on um, uh, probably the best place to, to get to some further info is our website, hortons.co. Um, that is just .co, not .com or .co.uk. We always have to point that out. <laughs> and, uh, um, but Hortons.co on Instagram, um, at Adam Horton on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and everywhere else as well. So, yeah. Nice one, dude. Thank you for your time. Cool. Nice one. Thanks, Thanks very for much. having me. A massive thank you once again to Adam Horton from Hortons for joining us on today's edition of the World Class Agency podcast. I'm really grateful for for Adam sharing um, what was you know some some really honest um, stories about his career so far, um, mm. and some really fantastic advice for anybody who is is in that position. I certainly didn't expect him to come on the podcast and talk so openly, um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But what a, what a um, what a guy and what a way to talk about his experience in business he talked about realizing it wasn't working reassessing starting again going away from the industry for a little bit and learning about um different sales techniques and that and that type of thing but it was really um really invigorating to hear someone talk so openly and honestly don't you think sam yeah i loved every minute of that um and it was um a little bit i think probably different to, to some of the guests that we've had in the past um and to, to echo you very grateful for adam's time um I I liked where he sort of begun it, where he was like, I just, you know, being a crash course and a business owner and running a business is probably the best place to start because you're forced to learn. 
um, and you can't sort of rest on any of the laurels. Um, and then the perspective of seeing what an online agency out there was doing and then going, oh, I could probably do that. Um, but then a year into it, realizing that actually there's more fun at work um, and more benefit to not only him as a business owner, but to his staff and to the clients from actually charging more and moving away from that self-service online model into something that's a little bit more uh, classic, um, but still with a, a modern flavor. And I think um, the model that, and we talk about models all the time, and I don't love that word, but it, it just seems to come out of my mouth more often than not now. <laughs> that's probably leading towards where really good modern estate agency will be in two or three years time, you know, really high quality people who are effectively working for themselves under an umbrella brand. You know, he, he talked about like everything he does was to think about what's going to benefit the client best. Um, and so when he was selling, that was his mindset. Now that he's not, his clients are his people. Um, and I love yeah, that. I, I like, love that. Yeah. You know, I think you and I looking at each other on camera and Adam had his camera off. So he probably was just looking at us like we're idiots, but we, we were sort of looking and pointing at each other saying, that's the one point that I think we should harp on. Cause, um, we've got a lot of business owners that listen to this podcast. And I think if you don't have that mentality and that mindset of taking care of your people, then you're going to lose your best people. Um, and that's not only poor for your business, but that sucks for your customers. And coming back to yeah. Adam's point, you, the reason you have the best people and the reason you go after them is because you're putting your clients, you're putting your market first. You're thinking about what's going to benefit them best. Um, so yeah, that, that point really hit home for me. And I know off, off air before we started this, we said that that's really what we wanted to highlight because I think that's, that's one of the best messages to come out of this podcast. Yeah. I, th I think it's a, a sort of terminology coined by Richard Branson, isn't it? You know, is mm. he's, he talks about looking after his people who will then then look after his client, but just picking up on something that you said, there, talking about models. I really, really liked what Adam talked about. He said, ignore the term hybrid. We are an estate agency. And I said, yeah. you know, with it, within our business, we could adopt some of that sort of um, thinking. He said, we're an estate agency with a modern twist and, you know, he uses the modern bits to see what will actually benefit his, his client. But he did talk very passionately about making sure that he doesn't have a one size fits all policy to to support his agents that go out there and i think that's really really important there's a lot of talk in the industry about processes and all of this type of thing at the moment but every every estate agency owner knows that we're a people business people buy people and if you have the best people you will have the best estate agency and i don't think you can have the best people if you have such a stringent process that isn't flexible to allow people to um you know, work, work to their strengths. They play that you want them to play to their strengths and you find other people to, to plug the gaps. It's why you want a team with different sort of qualities. Yeah. I think he talked about training people and, and figuring out like actually understanding and helping them understand what their strengths are and then supporting and training them on the weaknesses. So, you know, there's, it's interesting. There's like two thoughts in business, whether you ignore your weaknesses and you double down on your strengths or whether you work really hard. Like I used to play tennis when I was a kid and my backhand was all right. My forehand was really good. So I just used to try and run around and smash forehand as much as I could. When the reality is the reason I'm probably not a professional tennis player now is because I never worked to make that, that backhand world-class. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And that was a pretty shitty analogy, but I think it works. Um, <laughs> and I think as, yeah, as a leader, he can go and say, right, you're fantastic at viewings. 
Go and yeah. do as many viewings as you can. You're fantastic at listing, but you, you know, you don't give buyers a time of day. So we're actually going to work on your empathy levels or we're going to work on this and that. And, and that's probably why he's seeing, you know, and Hortons are seeing the success they are now compared to uh, that first iteration of, of online agency that he went into. Yeah, he also talked about, didn't he, um, how the industry is changing. I think he actually used the term gatekeeper. I think he said something along the lines of the agency used to be the gatekeeper, but social media has, has changed all of that, which I think is, is a really interesting takeaway. And that builds into the personal branding that is becoming more and more um, relevant in this in this industry and I think it's, it should be something that estate agency owners are embracing and encouraging with their staff because Adam's obviously having a lot of success with that. It's only a fear thing that I think is stopping them. They're, they're concerned that their people will become bigger than their company um, yeah. because that it, it's so, if you've got the right people and this is the interesting thing, if you have the right people there's no chance that that's not going to happen. So then as a business owner, you've got to switch and you've got to say, okay, how can I support this person to become the agent in that marketplace, but stay with me, you know, make it, just make it about them, remove your ego from the play. Um, yeah, because that's, that's the thing. That, that, that is what it is, right? It's, it's my name's on the bloody door or whatever it is, but <laughs> take that, take that away. Come back to putting your customer and your clients at first. They want to deal with Mark Worrell from moving works. You know, yeah. they don't want to deal with moving works. Um, and that's so, always it's always been the case Adam was right it's always been the case you know yep. the lister is you know arguably the most important person in the business because they actually you know they they get the business in so the mm. list if the lister is getting the business in why not encourage that and allow them to do it but you what you picked up on um there is the support Adam talked about personalizing that support and that's so important you talked about bringing them in supporting them so they can grow within within your business I think there's going to be a lot of businesses that are adapting and, and trying to offer that sort Sort of support to the, to the best listing agents out there or as you said you know the best viewing agents best buying agents whatever whatever role it might be within the um within the business yeah i think that sort of ties in with what adam thought or his thoughts on what world-class agency was like i don't think there's probably room in two or three years time for there to be a lister and a buying agent and whatever unless you are completely niched in that and that's all you do i think actually the best agents and those world-class agents that we talked about are going to be just good estate agents. They're going to have a acute understanding of psychology and people and how to actually interact with them while they're under stress. Cause that is what people are under when they're in this process. Um, they're going to be able to adapt to change. You know, they see what the good change is and they use that change in the right way. You know, a lot of the, the issues I think that we face in this industry is that people come to the good ideas 10 years late, excuse me. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and so a good agent goes, okay, that's probably seven out of 10 right now. It's probably going to be eight or nine out of 10 in a few years time, but it's still really good benefit of me. Now I want to be at the forefront of that. Um, and then, and then leveraging that to, to stay relevant, which then helps them just become efficient and sell more houses, which is the goal, right? Yeah, absolutely. He talked, he also talked about in his world-class agency answer, didn't he, is how client communication is changing. And he thinks a world-class agent is going to be at the forefront of, you know, those, sort of communication changes that are going on it's gonna it's yeah, gonna happen that. a lot in this industry you know we talk about we've um i think we're gonna get sashin on to talk about you know what's happened the power of communicating with people in the way that they prefer communicating because mm. i think you know there's, there's nothing better than you know a prospecting call block and and all of that but actually sometimes you'll get 
a better response if it is a WhatsApp or if it is a text message or yeah. you know, potentially an email, although I think that's going, going less and less. So actually being at the forefront of how clients want to communicate with you. And I think we as agents have to have as many open communication channels as we possibly can <laughs> in this day and age. Absolutely. I think people will respond to you best, excuse me, <clears throat> when you communicate with them the way that they want to be spoken to, Absolutely. you know? So I remember I used to get slap on the wrist for texting people instead of calling them during the call out, but they were, they were 28 year olds who had busy jobs and they were in and out of meetings or whatever. And that was how, like, that's how you talk to your best friends. That's how you talk to your parents most of the time. Certainly yeah. if you live overseas. So why wouldn't it be how you talk to your estate agent? Why is there a separate rule? that I have to call you between nine and 11. Cause that's when my boss says I have to do call. That's like, yeah, I've done a, a blog that goes out this morning on we're, we're making February like negotiation month here at home search and, and yeah. sort of talking and theming everything on negotiation. And one of the things that I've done out today is negotiating over email and, and negotiating in writing. And sometimes it's not ideal, you know, but the point of negotiating and writing is to push it to a phone call but you may have to yep. go back and forth and solve some of the problems in writing before you get there. So it's a really acute skill that you have to master. And so the, yeah, gone are the days of, I have to make a phone call and those voicemails where it's like, Hey, it's Sam from Harcourts. Can you call me back? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that think, that serves nobody and just makes you because, a dickhead. Because sending a text message saying what you would say on the voicemail, there's nothing wrong with that. It just is more is more likely to be successful. We're not saying, you know, replace phone call all phone communication with text message or WhatsApp or whatever your your channel of communication is, but perhaps, you know, plug it into to that communication mix so that you you then open it up the conversation a little bit more. Exactly right. That's, that's great advice. I look forward to reading that blog, Sam. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, thank you very much for, for listening to today's episode. Um, we do this, as you know, because we love this industry. We want to see it get better. Um, if you want to come on the podcast, you know, drop us a message. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, that type of thing. If you like what you hear, please share it out. Hit subscribe. Drop us a review. Um, I'm Mark Worrell. He's Sam Hunter. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week.